people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello, this is Sri Chalapa again with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. And today, I have the honor of having Alyssa Cox. Alyssa Cox is the founder of Blue Swift Consulting, the host of the Change Artist Podcast, and a respected organizational effectiveness strategist with 14 years of experience helping organizations unlock their latent potential in their workforces by taking advantage of unrealized opportunities built into their everyday practices. So Alyssa, that's obviously a quite a bit of work. So thanks for taking the time to uh, do this podcast with me. Um, definitely want to you know talk a little bit about the organizational change aspect. Uh, but before I do that, you know, I think what would be helpful is uh, you know understanding the job market has changed, right? And suddenly the di- it seems like we just flipped the script, where there's not as many jobs available for the people who really want to move. So now the people have really you know have to make best of what they have within their organization and one of the topics that we want to talk about today is how do you really use um your leverage your influence essentially in in the organization so that you can get more things done be more effective in the place you are already so talk to me a little bit about you know what do you mean uh by leading by influence which is one of the top which is a topic we're going to talk about today yeah so I, thanks for thanks for taking us here because this is something I'm super passionate about. And I think it comes down to what do we mean by leadership, right? And so for me, leadership is the amplification of impact. Right? We've all been individual contributors, right, in both our personal and our professional lives. And the thing about pure individual or individual contributorship is that there is this natural ceiling to what you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. So one thing I like to ask people is how many hours in a day can you dedicate to achieving your goals, right? And if you're working by yourself, then the number of hours that you can dedicate is and like the extent of like all the creative thinking that you can apply, right? It maxes out at the number of hours you're awake, right? As a leader, you're able to harness the efforts of more than just yourself. So when you're working with others, all of a sudden, the number of hours, the amount of effort, the amount of creative energy dedicated to achieving a particular goal has the potential to grow exponentially. And so leadership for me is that ability to harness the hours, the effort, the creative energy of others in pursuit of your vision, right? And to amplify the impact of that vision through work as a team. And so influencing and leveraging your network within the organization to do that effort aggregation. So what are some of the techniques, you know, one of the things, actually, before I jump jump to that, you know, one of the things that I frequently hear is that only way to grow within an organization is to have bigger and bigger teams reporting to you, which I think is is, is a false strategy, uh, a wrong strategy for the first of all. And that's not always even realistic. 
uh, in many organizations because they're not hiring more people. You're not necessarily going to automatically get more 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 people. So one of the things that I tell even my people in my organization, your true test of being a good leader is not how big your team is and who you're directly managing, but how are you getting things done with people who actually don't report directly to you? So that's where the influence comes in, right? So what do you recommend are some other things with when you work with your uh, clients who are, are trying to be better influencers? You know, what are some of the things that you tell them they should be doing? I mean, I love this idea of, uh, of like, how do you grow within an organization? What is your path to advancement? And at the end of the day, if it is, as you mentioned, if it is, if your mindset is that of the more people on my team, the more important I am, you've sort of lost sight with what the organization wants out of you because the organization defines your success in terms of the impact that you make in the organization. And there is some correlation between the impact you're able to make and the amount of effort dedicated to making that impact. But those people don't necessarily report to you. So being a leader isn't just going through sort of the HR administration of having individual contributors report to you, but it's also being able to reach out and identify other stakeholders in the organization and bring them into the fold of your vision, right? Influence is all about getting a lot of different people from a lot of different parts of the organization who are all critical to your success, rowing in the same direction. Mm -hmm. So aligning goals and aligning vision with those people um, and working collaboratively. Very few of us are able in the complex organizations that we work in today are actually able to control all of sort of the factors of production for realization of our goals. And so once we've identified all of those factors of production across the organization, and you've got to think outside your dedicated team, then it's make sure that you're able to articulate with words why achieving this goal doesn't just meet your objectives, but also meets the objectives of the people you're trying to tap, the people whose effort you're trying to bring in. That exercise of saying out loud in words, like you know intuitively, um, but putting it into words so that you could repeat it in words to those stakeholders, what we're trying to achieve and why it's the right thing for them as well, as they think about their goals, that's a really important first step to being able to effectively influence within the organization. One thing you mentioned earlier when we were talking before this uh, podcast uh, started recording uh, was around trust, the trust factor. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like that's a big factor of whether you're successful as an influencer or not. Absolutely. You know, anytime there's, anytime there's conflict, there will be the conflict, what the, what the conflict is ostensibly about, like namely about, right? And if I think if I take a home, a, a home example, if I have conflict at home, perhaps over the way my partner loaded the dishwasher, if we have an argument, if we have conflict on the surface, it's about the way she loaded the dishwasher in the background. It's actually about all this other stuff, this other baggage that I'm carrying. It's about something that happened six months ago that I've been sort of accumulating sort of evidence around. Trust in organizations it works the same way. If people are resisting your efforts to influence, if they're resisting your work, it may be, there may be a surface reason, but in all likelihood, it comes down to their willingness to trust you. 
And what have you done to build that trust? And how have you demonstrated that you are trustworthy? How have you demonstrated that you're trusting, right? To try to break through some of those surface layers of resistance to get down to what's actually happening. And in trusting in psychologically safe environments, we can have candid conversations about what concerns people have, why we think path A or path B is the right or wrong path, how we can move forward and in an aligned way, having put all of our cards on the table. Because if we're holding cards back, then we're not actually investing ourselves in the solution. We're holding something back in case of failure. And that holding back in case of failure makes failure even more likely. Right, right. And that also tells the other person that I can't fully trust this individual because they're hiding things or maybe they're trying to play CYA or whatever that is, right? Yeah. So great point. And I think one of the things that you talk about, which I really uh, want to dig deep into is, you know, who do you pay versus who works for you? I, I, I really like that phrasing that you did uh, earlier when you were chatting. Now, who do you pay and who works for you are two different people. And so talk, you know, talk more about how does, how is that different and what does that mean for a successful uh, individual who wants to be a good influencer within the organization? I mean, the people you pay are the people that are on your payroll, the people that report to you structurally within the organization. The people who work for you are the people who are working toward your goals. And those can be people from all over the organization. In fact, in our matrix organizations, they need to be. And so as we think about the people around us that don't necessarily work for us, but that, that work for us within the org chart, but absolutely are working for us in terms of driving the right the outcomes we want. I think people fall into generally, you know, as I think about our internal networks, three categories, right? You've got, um, you've got mentors who work for you by opening sort of new avenues of thought. These are people you can bounce ideas off of. These are people who can, who have knowledge that they, you need that you don't currently have. They've got to share that knowledge with you for you to benefit from it. Those are people who are working for you by sharing their knowledge. They don't necessarily, they're not necessarily employed by you. You've got advocates. Now, these are people who pound the table. These are people who um, promote your ideas, help advocate for your ideas in other spaces. They unlock resources. They unlock, um, you know, they unlock headcount. They unlock money. These are people who actually make what you want to do possible. And so in this case, you may be thinking, you know, if you've got somebody from purchasing that you need to work with, somebody from purchasing can be an advocate for you by pushing for uh, a particular contract within their organization or pushing for a particular agreement or a particular vendor based on your agreement with them. And then the third group that I think we oftentimes lose track of are followers, right? And these are people for whom you are an advocate or you are a mentor. These are people who help you do the heavy lifting, right? And when, when we don't have followers, we find ourselves late at night with our hands on the keyboard, doing a lot of the nitty gritty work ourselves. Having followers means we've got folks who are, um, who are upstream or downstream in a handoff capacity. We've got folks who are sort of doing, again, doing that heavy lifting as we're doing sort of preparing collateral, preparing materials, running meetings, um, and these, some of these people can be in your organization, sort of in your reporting chain, but it's even more powerful when you can find and you find that you've got followers actually outside of your reporting chain in other organizations who are helping you actually get the job done at the most granular level 
in partner organizations, that's a big part of being influential is being able to get things done through those organizations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So schools don't teach you this, right? So how does a, a CEO build that in, as part of their culture within the organization? What, what's, what's your recommendation to CEOs? Oh, and maybe more, uh, uh, I think more important would be, where have you seen this, where organization has done a successful transformation in this area? Sure. I mean, a lot of what I, a lot of what I talk about, um, it is sort of ingrained in the way consultants do their work, right? Consultants are expert networkers and they're not necessarily networking to get a new job. They're networking to build influence within their own organizations, within their own firms. And they're influent, they're networking to drive influence within their client organizations to sell more work or to get work that's sold done more effectively. And it's absolutely a different mindset than you get from being from working in industry, um, because it is sort of a concerted effort on the part of consultants to build these networks and to build these networking skills. And so if you're in an organization where this is not, it has not been front and center, bring it front and center, right? Be intentional about how you network within your organization, not just for your own benefit, but for the achievement of sort of the achievement of your work goals, right? The achievement of these outcomes for the organization. I think people tend to feel a little dirty about networking when they feel like it's all about their own personal advancement, their own, whether you're getting a new job outside the company or trying to get a promotion. But when we network such that we're trying to drive outcomes for the organization and outcomes for our partners or for our networking partners, you know, that then becomes a whole different lens that we can use to think about networking. And it's a much more inclusive and energizing lens. And that's what I like to talk about when I talk about networking and the importance of the importance of influence. So if you are in an organization that hasn't historically talked about this, start talking about it. If you've got, I mean, we're at the beginning of the year, if you are going through sort of your annual goal setting process, when you set your goals, when the people who work for you set your goals, have a conversation about who's going to help you get there, right? Who's going to help you achieve these goals? It's not just about like hitting the keys harder on your keyboard. Who's going to make this happen? Who do you need to partner with? And start putting down names. Mm -hmm. Once you put down names, you can start to say, what's my path to that person? So in the case, somebody who needs, somebody that you need to help you get there is a senior executive, so much further up in the organization than you are, then the path to get to them is going to be less direct. And it's going to take some some time and some planning, but being intentional and being really explicit about who you need help from, who you need advocacy and endorsement from, who you need knowledge and mentorship from, what kind of followership or hands on the keyboard you're going to need to get this work done. This is how you start to manage the effort beyond the team that reports directly to you. And it's how individual contributors if you don't have direct reports today, it's how individual contributors can demonstrate within their organization that they can manage the efforts of others as they look to take on in future roles, direct reports. Yeah, that's a great idea. I've never, I, I, well, I shouldn't say never. I, it doesn't, it's not something I thought about very actively where when you set your goals, who you're thinking about dependencies essentially, right? who, who you're dependent on and name names, which you said, which which is not something that you typically see in goal setting process. Uh, for example, if you are a salesperson, you can say my goal is to sell, you know, a million dollars worth of new goods or services, 
but you're dependent on so many things, goods being available on time, the goods being the right goods that the client actually wants and being able to manufacture them or, or build them is software so that they can actually sell them. Dependent on marketing, being able to give you the leads that you want, giving you the right collaterals, the brochures and, and setting up events and things of this nature. So I think that's a great point that I, I don't think a lot of organizations, yeah, and I'm guilty as well, where people think about what our dependencies are and then cascading that across the organization and having an open discussion around it and getting commitments from that. You know, So we do that explicitly. In sales, it's easier because we say, you know, we need 100 leads to do these things. So the marketing gives a commitment to 100 leads. Now, whether they deliver or not, that's a different story. But and then there's commitment from product. There's commitment from support and professional services. But some of the other uh, areas, maybe it's not so explicit, you know. Um, and I think if that is a practice across the organization, across all functions, across all roles, um, I think that'd be, that would be a good practice to have. You know, especially if you're, I'm, I'm just thinking of an example of, let's say you're, um let's say your support tech support now tech support is usually relegated behind the curtain right but if they think they want to be successful maybe what they need is a system that's actually uh doesn't fail very often so there's a dependency on engineering team to make sure that there's a system that works well 99.99 percent of the time they have clarity on what support requirements are you know, things of this nature right which which may come from an account manager may come from an engineering team make so i think I think having that mindset across the board, across all functions, uh, would be a great practice to to uh, to have in the organization. So, so thank you for uh, you know enlightening us with that. Sure, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to that, Alyssa. Well, I would just say like if I think about who in my in that I work with or who that I've worked with in the past, have I considered to be my go-to person? Like I have a question, who am I going to go to? It's not the person that has all the answers. It's the person who can get me to the answers, right? And so I started, several years ago, I started this and I've really had great success with it is opening emails where I'm asking a question with, I don't know if you're the right person to answer this question, but if you're not, I'm hoping you can point me in the direction of the person that can, right? The most valuable people in my network are the people who have the richest Rolodexes. The people who can point me and connect me to people I don't even know that have answers to the questions that I need or have resources that I can tap. These are the people who are truly leaders and powerful within the organization because these are the people who actually get things done. Mm -hmm. right? And so when we bring that mindset to our networks, as well as when we think about how we give back. So networking is not a, an influence is not a one-way street. If you only, the only way you influence and you experience influence is by being the influencer, then you are, it's, it's your way or the highway. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to find, again, you're going to find your, your actual effective influence shrinks because people don't necessarily want to get on board with people who, is, who aren't flexible and who aren't listening. So, you know, influence, be willing to be influenced and be willing to share some of your equity across the organization, be willing to share some of your connections to make the right things happen for followers who are asking you for help. Yeah. You know, I think yesterday I actually was on a CEO, bunch of different founders. Uh, we have a, we meet every month, I think, where we openly exchange ideas and our problems. And one of the things we were talking about was around um, how do you get people into the, in, up, upskill, not upskill, but get them imbibed into the culture 
because everybody's remote and organizations are hiring. I mean, even even in today's economy, people are still hiring, right? And one of the things uh, they said, which talks to you, what you were talking about as well, is networking within the organization. And one of the uh, organizations I was talking to in that in that group, they have this uh, random coffee every so every two weeks, two people are randomly picked to have a coffee chat with each other over Zoom if they're not obviously in, in, in person. So they get to know each other, even if there's no absolutely no reason for them to be talking because they're in completely different functions. There's no dependency. But I feel that's one way to actually do that and build influence and trust over, over a course of time. Now, I don't know if that's the most effective way or not, but I, I did want to bring that up as one of the strategies that organizations can employ. It is really hard, particularly when people are remote. Right. Um, because historically, where you would have done sort of a drive-by, you would have met, you could have gone and sat with other teams and sort of met them in the office as part of sort of a natural human interaction. We don't have casual interactions necessarily over Zoom, right? Everything is scheduled and it's scheduled with a purpose. Uh, and so thinking about how you how you do interactions like that, how you meet new people, how you even build relationships with people with whom you may not interact every day. I mean, I had at one point a woman elsewhere in the organization who said, hey, I think that we have some things in common. I'd love to just chat. She put time on the calendar and we ultimately ended up putting sort of a recurring 30 minutes on the calendar once a month. This is just a time for the two of us to chat. We would have, in an in-person environment, we would have gone down to grab a coffee or we would have gone and grabbed lunch. And it it built our relationship, but also opened up my network to her and her network to me as we talked about the things that we were working through and the, the stumbling blocks that we were facing and the challenges we were having. And we're able to ideate, like, who do we know that might be able to help remove that stumbling block, maybe be able to help get through whatever challenge you're getting through. You never know the power of, you only ever really know the power of your own network until you've interacted with folks and had them open their network to you. And that's, again, really where you build a, a culture of support and you build a culture of mutual accomplishment and, and achievement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have one last question before we wrap up. Uh, one, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, like, how do you, this is a question we talked about earlier, like, how do you amplify your impact within the organization? Now that summarizing everything we talked about. I, I think the best way you can think about amplifying your impact as a leader across the organization is by cultivating leaders. You know, if we go back to our original example, where if you only have, if you're an individual contributor, you have perhaps 40 hours a week to accomplish your goals. If you start bringing other people in, the number of hours starts to grow. If you are leading individual contributors, then the, the trajectory of growth is very linear in terms of your, of your impact. Right. Because you've got people who are who are I can now dedicate. I've got five people. They can each dedicate 40 hours if I am cultivating leaders. So I'm not only reaching out across the organization to bring in effort beyond my direct reports, but I'm teaching my direct reports to do the same thing. Now you start to have an exponential growth in the impact that you can have because you have exponential growth in the amount of effort dedicated to getting what you're trying to get done, done. And so as we think about 
really truly amplifying our impact. It is bringing in from bringing in effort from outside of our direct team and also coaching, cultivating, developing the people on our direct team to be leaders and giving them the space to be leaders and to do the same. Because if we're all rowing in the same direction, a hundred people rowing in the same direction is going to get us there a lot faster than the five people on your team. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Alyssa. It's been a pleasure having you um, having this discussion. This is such an important topic. Um, how can people reach you and learn more about uh, what you do? Absolutely. So I'm active on LinkedIn, love connecting with people on LinkedIn. Um, I also have a website, it's blueswiftconsulting.com, where you can find out sort of what I do and the, the professional development work and the speaking work that I do, the coaching work that I do. I also have a podcast, uh, The Change Artist. It's available on all the major platforms. And we talk about change, right? Topics related to change. We, talk, we, de we deep dive into sort of the language of change, the structure of change, different aspects of the change equation and how you can bring more effective change to your organization. So love having people listen, love having people reach out over LinkedIn or over uh, or through the website, um, but we'd love to connect with any of your listeners. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Alyssa. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios for recording and mixing this show.